All right. Well, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. We're going to be looking at verses 15 through 17 today. If you're new with us, we're working our way through the gospel of Luke verse by verse. We've been here for a long time, two years now, and we'll be here for a while. Uh, We're just working our way through what does the Bible say to us. And we are now in chapter 18, beginning with verse 15. If you know me, You know this about me. I love children. I love kids. Mostly my kids, but your kids are great as well. I love children. Sean and I have five children, five boys. They bring a joy to us that we just never imagined. The joy that they bring even in difficult times. Parenting is not easy. It's not always candy land. It's not easy, but even in the midst of that, there's joy that is hard to express. The psalmist is right in Psalm 127 when he declares, Children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. I remember the moment my first son, Alden, was born. It will be 14 years and two weeks. Instant love. Didn't have to learn how to love Alden or Leif or Samuel or Silas or Judah. I've said what many of you fathers have probably said before. The Lord has taught me so much about himself by giving me children. The song we just sang, How He Loves Us. Our understanding of that is heightened and enlightened even through the Lord giving us Children, But in the text today, we see another blessing from children. It's not that we can only learn about the Father, but we can learn how we ought to come to the Lord, how we ought to be as followers of Jesus Christ. Children are a lesson to us about faith and following Jesus. And so let's look at the text together. If you would stand as I read verses 15 through 17. Now they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him, saying, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Let's pray. Father, we need your help. We're desperate for you. Even if here, standing here together, even if we don't even recognize that, even if we don't think that we are desperate for you, we are incredibly desperate for you right now in this moment. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. We believe that. And we need your spirit to give us ears to hear. We want to embrace your word because we want to embrace Jesus. So help us, Lord, to have ears to hear. Grow us. Help us. Give us us a better understanding of you through the text today, Lord. Be glorified through this time. Speak to us, Father. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. It says in verse 15, they were bringing 
even infants to him, children, infants to Jesus, that they is likely their parents. You can imagine hearing Jesus speak, preach, hearing the things that he is saying, the way that he is teaching. If, you, if you're familiar with the gospel of Mark again and again and again, you hear this, they were astounded, they were astonished, this theme through the gospel of Mark. As they're astounded, astonished at the teaching of Jesus, surely they are going to want to bring their children to him. It was not uncommon for people to bring their children to a rabbi, to have the rabbi bless their children. And that's what's happening here. They are astounded at Jesus. They are amazed at Jesus. And and how would they not want Jesus to bless their children? So they bring him, bring them to him. Mark 10, verse 16 After what Jesus tells us in this text, it says he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. So that's the purpose of them wanting to bring the children to Jesus, that he might lay his hands on them and bless them. But it tells us that the disciples see what's taking place and they rebuke the parents. Now, we're not certain where this is taking place. It's likely that it was in a home, maybe Peter's mother-in-law's home where this teaching is happening. So are they standing guard at the door? Do they see what's taking place on the outside as moms and dads are bringing their children to Jesus and they, they're, they're frustrated by this. They don't want this. This ought not to be taking place. And so, so are they stopping them at the door? We don't know exactly how this is taking place, but at some point they see what these parents are doing and they're just not okay with it. The, the disciples are not going to have this. They become frustrated and they want to stop what's happening. Now, why would they do that? Why would they want to stop these parents from bringing their infants, their children to Jesus? We don't know for sure. It doesn't tell us for sure. Maybe they thought this might be a distraction to Jesus' teaching. This would be an interruption. We want the adults to hear what this man is saying. We don't want it to be interrupted in any way. Maybe they thought that the children would bother Jesus, maybe distract him. Maybe they would keep people from hearing what he's trying to teach, tell them. But we see in the text, nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, Jesus not only welcomes them, he uses the opportunity to make his point about the kingdom even clearer. Verse 16, but Jesus called them to him. Jesus called these parents and children to himself. I love this. In Mark's account, it actually tells us that he was indignant with the disciples. He's frustrated that they would even consider stopping these children from coming to him. And he calls them. This is very important. What does Jesus say? Let the children come to me and do not hinder them. Let them come and don't hinder the children from coming to me. Sometimes we are like the disciples. We're prone to be like the disciples in this way. We might see children as a distraction spiritually. Maybe you have children and you struggle. If it weren't for the busyness, the craziness of these children, I could have a good, quiet time. 
I could spend time in the Word without distraction. Maybe you see them as a distraction spiritually. We might wrongfully think that our child or children are keeping us from the Lord. Keeping us from fully serving the Lord. If I didn't have to deal with these children, then I could engage more in the work of ministry or in mission or whatever it is. But the question ought to be, in light of what Jesus says here, not, are they hindering me from serving the Lord, but am I hindering them? Am I hindering the children from coming to Jesus? Now, this isn't a question just for parents. We're prone to that, okay? We come to texts that are about marriage, and if you're not married, then you check out. Or come to a text that's about children, and I don't have children, so I'm going to check out. Don't do that, okay? Don't do that. Stay with, all right? Because this isn't just a question for parents. The disciples were not the parents of the children they were preventing from coming to the Lord, okay? So you don't have to be parents. It doesn't have to be your own kids that you're hindering from coming, How do you respond to a baby crying in the service? Don't leave. It's right here in my notes. That was perfect timing. It's right here. I will show you. How do you perceive serving in the children's ministry? How do you view your calling as an older adult to disciple younger parents? Parents, are you hindering your own children from coming to Jesus? As we see in the remainder of the text, children are so trusting, so dependent, so humble. And that kind of simplicity should be purposefully directed toward Jesus. And what efforts are you making to bring them to be blessed by Jesus, to know Jesus? Parents, we can hinder our children from coming when we're hypocrites. We gather together and we sing so loudly and we smile so broadly. And then go home and don't worship the Lord in how we live. We hinder our children when we talk more about law than we do about grace. When we're concerned with their outward appearance and not what's on the inside of the cup. We can hinder our children when we tell them how gracious God is and then treat them like He wouldn't want them. We hinder our children when we say, do unto others as you would have them do to you, and then we treat them with animosity and unforgiveness. Don't hinder them from coming. Let the children come to me and do not hinder them. Parents and non-parents, pray. Pray for your children. Pray for the children that are placed in your life. Consider how you'll assist in bringing them to Jesus, not hindering them from coming to Jesus. Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. For, Jesus says, to such belongs the kingdom of God. Don't hinder them. Because the kingdom of God belongs to people like them. 
It goes on in verse 17. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Not only is Jesus saying to bring them to him, he's saying study them. Look at them. Watch them, observe them, and understand this is what it looks like to be a part of the kingdom. This is what it looks like to follow Jesus. This is the kind of faith that God is looking for. As adults, we can tend to look at children, whether our own or someone else's, and think things like, I wish they would just stop acting like a child. What a silly thing to think, right? I wish they'd just grow up. Don't you realize you're being so childish? That's a big shocker, right? How could our children act so childish? What's Jesus saying here? Become like little children. The kingdom belongs to people who are childlike. So what does that look like? What does he mean here? Let the children come to me and don't hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not hinder it. So this is urgent. This is incredibly important what Jesus is saying here. Because if we don't get this right, if we don't come this way, he says you don't enter the kingdom. So what does he mean by coming like children? There's six things that I think are helpful here as we consider children and how being childlike is what Jesus is asking from us. And so here's what I want to do. I want to do something a little bit different. I don't, I'm not a big visual uh, illustration guy, but today I'm going to be, okay? Uh, My son Judah stayed here and I think it's helpful to kind of see, okay? As we think childlike, There's none more childlike than Judah. He just winked at me. That is awesome. Okay. You want to sit? Yeah, why don't you sit here, okay? That cool? Want to help? This is Judah. You want to say hi? Hi. Hi. Okay, good job. All right. Give me five. Thank you. Okay. This is Judah. Six things, okay? Six things that I want us to think through. As Jesus says to us, come like children. Receive like children. What are the characteristics of children that are Christ-like, that help us in coming to Him, that we ought to be like in coming to Him? First of all, children are dependent. They're dependent. Consider the text here. They were bringing even infants. Okay, So part of the illustration that Jesus is talking about here is they're infants. They're coming in the arms of their parents. They can do nothing on their own. They're fully dependent, utterly dependent on their father, on their mother. Cannot survive on their own. No infant, if you consider the text before this, where you have the Pharisee and the tax collector, the Pharisee coming in and boasting in the temple about himself and his praying. I'm so thankful, God. Thank you that I'm not like other men. Thank you that I do these great righteous things. You don't hear infants saying that, right? You don't have little, little children saying those types of things. I thank you that I'm able to feed myself and change my own diapers so that I don't stink up the house and lie in my own waste. Thank you 
No, 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 no. They're just dependent. They're just there. Precious. They're needy. And in their utter dependence, they do not worry about where their help will come from. Just waiting on a father or mother to care for them. They do not ponder in their heads or their hearts, I wonder where I'm going to get my next meal. Just dependent, just dependent on mom, just dependent on dad to care for them. Come like that, Jesus says. Come dependent. Infants are fed and changed and they rest. That's their life, just simplicity. They are fed, they are changed, and they rest. 1 Peter 2.2 says, Like newborn infants long or crave the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. The Word. Crave it. Crave to be fed by the Word. Jesus says in John 15, Rest. Abide in me. We are utterly Utterly, whether we acknowledge it or not, whether we recognize it or not, we are completely, utterly dependent on God. And unless you come to God like a child, dependent, you can't be saved. You can't come depending on yourself like the Pharisee, hoping that God will accept you. Jesus says, if anyone would come to me, let him deny himself. So let me ask you, what would it be like if you were dependent on God like a child? The second thing I would offer about children is children are humble. Little children are humble. And that's exactly the point that Jesus is making here, right? I mean, this text leading into it. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Come like a child. Be humble. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself like a child will be exalted, will be rescued. You think of how the humility of a child is expressed so often. What do they boast in? They, they don't boast in themselves. They boast in their dad or they boast in their mom. My dad can beat up your dad. My dad is the strongest man ever, right? Okay. For some, some of you, that's the case. Their boast is so often not in themselves, but in their father or their mother. Be humble. Don't exalt in yourself. Exalt in God. And of course, as kids get older, they start acting like us. They become less humble. But there's a time when they display humility better than we display humility. Come like that. Come like the tax collector who just simply cries out to God, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. What would it be like if you were to come humble like a child? Well, we know the answer. What would it be like? Justification. I tell you, Jesus says, 
This man went down to his house justified. The humble came to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. Children are humble. Third, children are genuine. Children are genuine. They're not hypocrites, right? Teach a small child a song that is the gospel, okay? And take them to Target. And what will you have? People will hear the gospel, right? Because they don't care. They're, they're just real. They're just themselves. They just, they just know this is what's on my heart and this is what's going to come out of my mouth. They're unashamed. They're not hypocritical. Because they don't know to act like other people in public. They're genuine. When Alden was very little, he's our oldest, it didn't matter to him if we were in a mall or a store. He just, in the middle of anywhere, he'd just say things like, Dad, let's run. Or, or Dad, go like this. And then he would make the most twisted, contorted body and strange face. And like, what do I do? He hasn't learned to be embarrassed by that. It's just him. We do this at home, Dad. Let's do this here. Kids haven't learned yet that the gospel is embarrassing. Now, don't hear me wrong. It's our hypocrisy. It's our hypocrisy that makes us embarrassed. It's our fears, but they don't struggle with that. Children are genuine. Unashamed. What does Paul say? I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. What would your life look like if you were genuine like a child? Fourth, children are trusting. Let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom. For everyone who exalts himself, or excuse me, for I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Kids are trusting. They trust their parents. You ask a small child, you want to go with daddy or you want to go with mommy? And usually you're not going to get where are we going before you get a yes. They just trust wherever you're taking me is going to be good because I'm with you. And even when they're taken to a place that is scary or makes them nervous, what do they say? Will you hold me? They're trusting. They trust mom. They trust dad. It's as they grow older that they start to care about where they're going. Now we as parents can do things to lose that trust. But God never does anything to lose our trust. He never lies. He never leads us astray. He's faithful. His mercies are new every morning. Jeremiah 32, verse 27. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything, is anything too hard for me? Do we trust God like a child trusts his father or trusts 
his mother? Do we trust him? Children are so trusting. In fact, we have to teach them not to trust people in certain circumstances, don't we? Don't take candy from strangers. If someone stops a car and tells you to come, we have to teach them not to trust. They're just so trusting. Jesus says, come like that. Come trusting me. Trust in the Father who never fails. That's the kind of trust that saves. What would life be like if you trusted God like a child trusts his parents? And you read verses like, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. What if you trusted God like a child? Fifth, children are joyful. Children are joyful. They're still excited about pretty much everything. Planes and trains and birds and oceans and flowers and on and on and on and on. They're not bored by God's good creation. It's getting older that makes people start saying, is that it? Is that all? It's getting older that causes people to stare at devices and miss sunsets. Psalm 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God. The heavens declare the glory of God. Do we care? If we're meant to do all for the glory of God, like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10.31, are we excited about what, it, what does it well? What glorifies Him well? Are we excited still about those things? Or are we just distracted by mundane life? What if, we, what if we were joyful about God and the gospel and His word like a child is joyful about all things? Children are joyful. And sixth, children receive well. We know that, right? Children receive very well, if you go up to a child and you have a gift that's wrapped up and you hand that to the child, they're very good at receiving. You know, no child opens up this wrapped gift and says, you know, what do I owe you for this? How can I pay you back for this? What can I, I'm indebted to you. How can I make this even? No, no, no. It's just Joy. Receiving. Give a child a gift. They receive it with joy and without pride. They're not trying to pay you back. They're just enjoying the gift. Receiving the gift. You may get a hug and off they go to enjoy what you've given to them. The kingdom of God, Jesus says, must be received like that. As a gift, it can't be achieved by human effort. That's what the Pharisee was striving toward. You think of the gift of the gospel. Are you receiving the kingdom like a child, dependent and humble and genuine and trusting and joyful? You consider the greatest gift that has ever been offered to anyone ever. Forgiveness of sins and life with God. There's no greater gift 
No greater gift than that. How does Jesus describe it in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44? The kingdom of heaven is like a man who found treasure in a field and covered it up. And in his joy, he went and sold all that he had to get the field. Because he knows in his mind, if he denies himself, if he turns his back, repents from all of his life to get Jesus, he gets the greatest, most joyful gift he could ever receive. And so with joy, he receives The gospel is this, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. That's what the Pharisee is trying to do. It's like a child who hears of a gift, opens the gift, and then tries to figure out how am I going to earn this gift? But that's a mockery of what Jesus has accomplished. God proved his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ on the cross did the work on our behalf, bore the wrath of God on the cross, suffered shame for us, treated as a transgressor, though he was completely innocent, and calls to us, come, come and receive Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Are you trusting? Have you trusted in Him like a child? Have you come with childlike faith? I would encourage you, if you are here and you've never come to Jesus to receive His gift of forgiveness, then today, today, go to the prayer room. As we're singing, go to the prayer room. My wife and I will be there this morning. Would love to pray with you. Would love for this to be the day where you surrender your life to Jesus. He is worthy. He's worthy. When Jesus says to you, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That's complete Self-denial. That's looking at who you are, sinful, rightfully deserving the wrath of God, and saying to Jesus, I trust you. And I'm turning away from my life and towards you. And I will follow you, Jesus. I believe, I believe that you have paid for my sins. If you've never trusted in him, I would encourage you today, today surrender. And if you do know him, if you're here and you believe the gospel, you've embraced Jesus. I would ask you, have you grown up in the wrong ways? More like the Pharisee than the tax collector. Are you hindering children from coming to you? Are you bringing them to Jesus? Are you still trusting God with childlike faith, believing, 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 humbly and dependent and joyful and without shame. Consider truly in your hearts, are you living the true identity you have in Jesus or are you living as a hypocrite, this second identity? Maybe today you would repent and trust in him again Repenting of not living this childlike faith that he has called you to. 
As we turn to a time where we take the Lord's Supper, I want to read for you just a few pages further in Luke, in Luke 22. Beginning with verse 14, it says, When the hour came, he reclined, Jesus reclined at table, and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I've earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you, That from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Consider the, the Lord's Supper, the bread and the cup. You consider the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians 10 where he says, as often as you do this, it's a participation in the body and in the blood of Jesus. You're participating. You're fellowshipping. Do you believe? Do you believe like a child that he earnestly desires to fellowship and share this meal with you? What a blessing. What a blessing as we consider the words of Scripture concerning the Lord's Supper. How could we ever get used to it? How could we not rejoice and celebrate in our hearts as we participate with the Lord, as we fellowship with the Lord, as we remember His sacrifice, His body, and His blood. Let's set our hearts in that direction. Even as we sing, let's consider the gospel, let's remember the gospel, and let's worship Him as we partake together. Let me pray. Father, thank You for Your goodness and Your grace, Lord. You are good, and what You do is good. Your Word is truth. So, Father, we pray that you would sanctify us by the truth. Help us. Help us. We struggle. We struggle so often with unbelief. We struggle so often. We we come thinking that we have it all together, that we don't need to continue to deny ourselves or take up our cross daily. Lord, we need you to help us, to remind us that you are holy that you are set apart and we are utterly dependent, Lord. Thank you for grace. Thank you that your mercies are new every morning. Thank you for the gospel, that it is the work of Jesus, not the work of me, that brings me to salvation. You are a forgiving God. And so if there is anyone here who has not trusted in you, Lord, would you shine in their hearts, awaken them, from spiritual death, Lord, awaken them. Help them to see how good you are. What a, what a wonderful treasure you are, God. And with joy, I pray that you bring them to yourself like children coming to you, believing, denying themselves and trusting fully in you. We pray that you be glorified. And for us, Lord, those who do trust in you, do believe in you, Lord, we want to walk in childlike faith, Lord, believing always 
that our Father is good. Our Father is trustworthy. Our Father is so worthy of our affections. And that we would live to bring you delight. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.